Hello and welcome to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Join my producer and co-host, Alex Wong. We are down bad. The Toronto Raptors are down even worse, losing back-to-back games to the Orlando Magic over the weekend. Alex, what's going on, man? Yeah, I'm just checking out this black guy that I have from... Playing ball last week. Mm. It's very visible right now. Nah, you, you're looking like Toontown. <laughs> I already said this to you off air, but... Yeah, it's dark yeah. times right now, man. Getting swept at Amway Center. <sighs> Didn't think this was going to be part of the experience of the Toronto Raptors this you, season, but here we are. You remember when we were in these exact seats on Friday, mm. right? We we had just had, you know, Cat Jamie and Steve Francis in studio to talk about the Vancouver Grizzlies. And then we were like, we got a little bit of time just to look at the magic here. And we were just like, yeah, whatever. So no win scenario, right? And and it and was there like, were no wins. And there you, were you, no were, wins. you were absolutely correct. Oh man, you were absolutely. I'm correct. sorry. I'm sorry to everyone who who did take the Raptors, who are favored heavily in both games. Yeah, I'm sorry. Stay off the Raptors for now. It's a whole new game right now. I, you don't know what game the Raptors are going to play on a night to night basis. Um, three three and eleven on the road now. Three and yeah, man. And they how literally many of haven't those started games? this bad on the road since yeah. like. Yeah, uh, before Kyle was even on the roster, essentially. And how many of those games have they given up, like, 35 to 40 points? I can think of at least three. How how much is giving up 37 points to Orlando Magic? That's like giving up 50 points to, like, most teams. Yeah. In a order, they... like, like they did on Friday. And, of course, you know, after the Raptors lost that first game on Friday, you know, Nick Nurse calls practice, okay? They go to this little high school, and they're, they're there. Yeah, and they're no, like, no Disney World. No Disney team. World this year, okay? You know, no we're going to go practice because we lost the Magic. And then after practice, they're all like, we got to focus on defending, right? We got to focus on just like getting stops, right? This is mm-hmm. our identity as a team. So I'm like, okay, all right, let's see the stronger defense. First quarter last night, holding the Magic to 18 points. I'm like, all right, pretty good. Yeah, but they only scored 19. <laughs> and then, yeah, the rest of the way, the Magic kind of scored, you know, pretty easily as well. Every so. night is a different problem. <sighs> Every night it's a Man. different problem. And I think these are all signs of a not very good team, to put it nicely. Yeah, I, I think... You know, when we think about the game last night, um, when Pascal has a down game, let's be honest, also down game for Pascal. He picks up four fouls. Uh, his fourth foul was picked up at the seven-minute mark of the second quarter, right? So Nick obviously gambled and, and kept him in the game after already having three fouls. He tried to overturn the third foul. Yeah, but wasn't able to do that. By the way, I know you mentioned this on the React pod. Yeah. But Nick's got to be bottom five coach when it comes to challenges. Because I feel like he challenges situationally now instead of even looking at the play, right? Like so many games I've seen him just challenge because mm-hmm. a Fred or a Pascal picked up an early third foul. Yeah. Um, let's see. Nick's challenging. You know, there's different philosophies that go into it. Some sure. people believe that it's like you only use it in the fourth quarter at an important time. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, that... Um, it leaves you without the flexibility of impacting a higher play. I think personally for me, what I would like to see for the Raptors to do is to use the reviews for the most potential outcome. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, um, Pascal drives down the lane, finishes an and one, but they call a charge, right? That to me is an opportunity where you use the charge so that you can potentially flip not only the minus one on foul on Pascal, but you also get two points plus potential third point. So there's like a potential delta of like three points there, right? 
I would try to ch- save my challenges for the highest like value plays as much as possible. But I understand Nick's approach, which is just like for the most part buying a seventh foul for guys, mm. right? Because that sometimes refs make mistakes, and and of course you want to be able to erase that and give them that extra chance. And of course Pascal is very important, so he tried to do it with the third foul um, on Pascal. Didn't work. Then kept him in the game, gambled again, and then Pascal ends up fouling again. So he comes out of the game. And somehow, despite him, like, basically fouling out of the first half, he still plays 35, 36 minutes. Maybe 37, actually? He played the whole second half. Oh, 37 right? minutes and 40 seconds. Wow. Okay. He, he definitely played the whole second half. <laughs> so he only sat for 10 minutes in a game where he essentially fouled out of. Um, you know, Pascal wasn't at his very best. But it's also one of those scenarios where you look at it, it's like, if you're a, a, an opposing coach looking to play the Toronto Raptors, Right, and, and let's go through this exercise. Okay, I'll be Nick. You're, you're Nate Bjorgren. Oh, okay, okay yeah. This so is actually the roles on, on, on this show. Okay, so shave your head. And then, yeah. you know, we're, we're here, and we're planning against the Toronto Raptors, right? What's mm. our number one thing that we need to do against the Raptors? Uh, we need to, you know, double Pascal, you know, get the ball out of his hands. Let's force these other guys to shoot because the Raptors, over their last 15 games, have the worst three-point percentage in the NBA. They're yes. shooting 28.9%. From three. Yes. So, okay. That's exactly right. We're going to double Pascal. Okay. And then I think on top of that, if we're going to double Pascal, who is near the paint anyway, we should just wall off the paint in general. Right. Right. We, we let these guys shoot. We can let Christian Coloco, um, you know, at the basket because I believe he's in the bottom tier of finishing at the basket. I, it's, it's, it's hard to name another center in the NBA right now who is converting less layups. Yeah. So we're not really that worried as long as we get a body there. You know, get yeah. some help in the paint. Yeah. So we can help off Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can help off of Christian. Yeah. And to be honest, like, I'm not too stressed about any of the other guys if they're open for three. Listen, Fred and Gary are going to mm-hmm. have their moments as yes. well. If Fred really is getting it going, we can double Fred as well. We can double Pascal and we can double Fred because of the fact that who are the Raptors really putting out there that's offering you issues? Scotty Barnes, we can guard him in single coverage. Mm. And then when he's in single coverage and he's and he's away from the ball, we can double off of him. Right, we can double off of Christian Colloquium and pretty much ignore him the whole game. Right, Gary. Now that he's starting, okay, you know what? Yeah, he's going to score and, and shoot, but we know that that's limited to him. He's not going to be creating plays for others. So even if we cover Gary in single coverage, as long as we avoid fouling him on him kicking out his leg on the jumpers, we're actually kind of okay. He's going to mostly shoot jumpers. It's it's sort of a problem you live with, right? But the bigger thing is we shut off the paint, as you mentioned. We double Pascal, and then. We just make sure we protect the defensive glass because we know the Raptors are going to miss a ton of shots and they're going to crash the glass each time. Mm-hmm. So we box out, right? Whoever's on Chris Boucher, just just you know face up against him when he's on the ball. And then as soon as the shot goes up, pin him on your back. Don't let him get into the offensive glass because he's persistent on that front. Yes, right? coach. Yes. Yes, you know? Jeff. Yeah. And, and, then, and then really, if we really, really want to handle everything perfectly, we just get back in transition. Because guess what? The Raptors are, actually are not a very good scoring team outside of transition in the first place. So if we literally just, you know, get back on defense, yeah. we're okay. Yeah, and, and once Fred and or Pascal sits, uh, we're just good. Yeah, we're good money. Once well, the bench well, comes in, well, we're don't good worry. money. They're, they're never coming in. We don't actually have to plan for the <laughs> another eight players on the roster because they never yeah. play. So we really all have to plan for like seven guys. <sighs> and we have to play a strategy that, again, like most teams can sit down and do this. You don't even necessarily need to do the scouting of like, ooh, they run this trick player, this trick player, or like, you know, like, you know, if, if, if he goes off or, you know, there are some actions here or there. I'm sure, again, every team in the NBA does advanced scouting and they have all this detail, but it's also very simple. When you cover the broad strokes against the Raptors right now, it's so easy. Like, the Raptors made six threes last night. You're not going to win in the modern NBA, even against Orlando Magic, who played really well, if you only make six threes in a night. Yeah. 
I made six threes when we played basketball, man. You God. might have tied Fred in threes last week. I got to look oh, up the stats God. and check the tape. So you're saying it's pretty easy to beat the Raptors right now. How do, how do we get here, man? How do we get here? Yeah, how, how did we get here? Like, there's so much yeah. expectations coming into the season. Mm-hmm. And even watching them against Orlando over the weekend, and you talk about the starters playing all these minutes, right? Yep, yep. I remember that stretch last year. I think it was in January, which included that three-overtime win over Miami, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. kick-started an eight-game win streak for the Raptors. Like, they were 23-23 and 23 at the time. Yep. And that really vaulted them into contention for a top-six spot, which they eventually got. And that was around the time when Nick was playing his starters, the 35 to 40 minutes, and we were getting results, right? Yep. Now, flash forward to now, we're playing our starters this min- this many minutes. And granted, OG was out last night, but the rest of the guys were there, and we're not even getting results against the Orlando Magic. Yeah. Um, well, clearly, Fred is just not the same level, right? Last Fred's year, not the same. Yeah. At this time, Fred was playing. Scotty's like an not the same. Scotty is not playing the way that you need him to, right? And we'll we'll get more details on that because we're gonna call up Michael Grange soon and and get him, um, get more details around what's going on with Scotty and and specifically a meeting that took place with him and Masai. So we're gonna get to those details in a second. But for me, I'm thinking about the fact that he just doesn't look like he's as effective nearly as much as last year. Um, and then, yeah, I think weirdly enough, Precious has not. Even though he hasn't really contributed much this season, mm-hmm. I do think that at last season at this point, he was contributing a lot more. You do miss him. Um, and then, yeah, and then when you really think about it, how many, like, upgrades were added to the roster, right? Last year when we looked at it, last year was such a transition year in terms of, you know, we just bottomed out in Tampa, then we get the fourth pick, and then it turns out great. Scotty was a great pick at four, um, you know, okay, Fred's going to carry us a little bit, and then Pascal's come back healthy, and hopefully, you know, it all works out, which it ultimately did. But, you know, there were still issues with the roster last year. The, the Raptors have not had a proper center since Serge and Mark walked in 2020. Like, the centers the Raptors have had since then are Aaron Baines, Alex Len, Ken Birch, uh, Christian Coloco. Right. Right, we we've played undersized guys like Precious and Chris at center at times. This you know this past year, we've even seen Thad Young play center. We've seen Scotty Barnes play center. We know those four guys are not centers. Maybe Precious may be a center, but he would be one of the smallest centers in the league. But realistically, when we're talking about true centers, we're talking about those four: Alex Len, Aaron Baines, Ken Birch, Christian Coloco. Just think about those four names. Mm-hmm. We just want to play the Orlando Magic, right? And I thought, you know what, Nick Nurse, the adjustment in the second half. Let's play more Ken Birch. We're gonna start Ken Birch. The Atlanta Magic is looking at a team coming in and being like, you're, you're starting our the backup we used to have? Mm-hmm. We're starting Orlando's former backup against Orlando. That's what I'm telling and you. And they're getting outplayed. Like, Mo yeah. Bamba played well. Bo Bo obviously was, like, super talented. Yeah. Even Mo Wagner came in and hit some threes, took some charges. Yeah, like, double, that's more than double more. double Wagners? Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, you know, so the center position is badly needed. And then, of course... Your guard position can be strong when Fred and Gary are playing up to their potential. I thought Gary's, especially of late, has really gone back to the level that he was at last season. But you needed Fred to get back to an all-star level, which he hasn't been. And there's no other guards there's on no the team. There's no other guards on the team. You know who's you know which <laughs> which position usually hits threes? Guards. We don't have good guards that that Nick Nurse trusts beyond Fred and Gary. And this becomes a bigger problem when any of those three guys that shoot threes for you 
those being OG, Gary, and Fred, get injured, which is going to happen because Nick's going to play them like 40 minutes because the team's going to need them to play 40 minutes. So I think it's a, it's a roster construction issue. There are issues with the team that really haven't got, been addressed positionally, even though our expectations have gone up. We're just expecting the guys who are already here doing a good job to do an even better job or to always stay consistent and do a great job, which is just not happening at the moment. So I, I really do think the front office needs to add to this group if you are continuing to try to compete this year. And I'm not talking about compete like then like win the championship. We know the Raptors are very far away from that. But I mean just like be competitive, right? You cannot lose the center position every single night that badly. And then you cannot have no third guard available because you're either going to essentially ask for your two guards to be phenomenal or they're going to burn out. And it's like, well, then maybe can the coach trust some of the other guards? What has Malachi, Delano, or Jeff Dowden even shown you in limited stretches to say that Nick Nurse should trust them more? Like with like a 15 to 20 minute role. Cause that's, I'm not even looking for a guy to come in to play 10 minutes. I'm looking for a guy to come in and play 20 to 25 minutes, ideally, as your third guard. None, none of those three guys scream to me that they can do it yeah, for a winning basketball club. And to be fair, I feel like all three of them have gotten opportunities, even this season, to yeah. try to get themselves into Nick's inner circle of trust. And it, it just hasn't happened. But you mentioned Scotty, and, you know, I know Michael Grange was in Orlando this weekend and had a chance to to talk to Scotty an interesting article and we actually have him on the line right now so what's up Grange um, not bad not bad I just uh, just fresh fresh from Orlando I am actually looking out over the tarmac at Pearson International planes coming and going talking to my guys my oh, guys sure. oh sure this is fresh reporting man wow yeah. um, yeah, this is well, Grange, you uh, you picked a good time to go to Orlando, uh, not just because it's snowing outside, but, uh, you know, the team is in a bit of disarray, let's just say. Um, yeah, before we get to, y- you know, your article about Scotty and the note that's sort of been picked up and shared now, but, um, yeah, just being around the team the last, you know, weekend or so, what's the vibe? <laughs> it's not a great vibe, you know. Uh, um, no shock there. I think that's been the case. Um, even going back to, you know, that trip, they were in New Orleans and Brooklyn and I'm sure we'll touch on that. And, 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 you know, I think what's, what's frustrating here is, you know, is there's opportunities in, in this, there's moments in the schedule where you, we're swimming uphill, like you are lucky not, you know, not to get drowned by a waterfall just by travel and opponent and your own injuries and their injuries, all these kinds of things. And then there's moments in the schedule where it's like, you got a runway here and you better take it. And, and uh, when you look at the gift that the Lakers gave them uh, before they came down here and then, you know, you're playing what was then the worst team in the NBA for two. And, uh, you know, and you look at what's going to happen probably Wednesday night when second round gets here and they're going to be on the second night of a back-to-back. Like there's, there was a moment here and uh, the Raptors fumbled it. Um, I think they know it. And Friday night, for example, after the game in the room, it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like guys were like throwing stuff at each other, but it's not, you know, they're not laughing. They're not joking. It's the guys in, in corners of the room kind of huddling and whispering to themselves and, you know, similar vibe at practice on the Saturday too. Like there's a lot of little discussions happening. Right. And, uh, um, and you just—it's not fun to lose, and uh, it's not fun to lose when you're expected to win. It makes it that much worse. And um, you know, full credit to the Magic. Obviously, I think we saw that there's a ton of talent there, but um, 
you know, the Raptors aren't able to defuse it right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's costing them. Yeah. Uh, well, Grinch, I wanted to ask, um, so I was watching the, the press availabilities on Saturday and so much of the talk for Nick was like, our adjustment needs to be, we need to be better defensively. We need to bring more physicality. We need to hammer more of the details. Right. And the players were repeating this message as well. Um, I mean, we definitely saw physicality in the game last night. Uh, I mean, Fred got kicked in the head and elbowed in the head and, you know, bumped knees as well. So hopefully he's okay. And, and you know, what, Cole Anthony flipped over Gary Trent and knocked him into the crowd and all this kind of stuff. And Chris Boucher knocked out Mo Bamba. So there's physicality. But when I'm looking at the game last night, I just saw a bunch of Raptors in foul trouble. And defensively, they were still not very good. So my question to you is, like, even though Nick delivered this message and they took their time to practice on the road, which I understand to be fairly rare, we didn't actually see it in the results. Does that concern you or is that something that's more of a bigger trend? Mm, I think I thought they were rel- relatively good defensively until, uh, you know, like obviously there's pretty pivotal moments in the second half. They weren't, um, I, you know, I think that the message, you know, and again, talking to Fred on Friday too, is like, look, we get, we just got to, guard our guys better like i mean we get too caught up in our scheme sometimes and and uh you know we just don't sit down and guard and i thought generally certainly in the first half they did that um you know i think it did kind of you know the 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 little flurry that mo wagner had you know you kind of saw who was supposed to be um you know getting out to him on those threes i think he had three threes in about 90 seconds and I think one was Sad Young on an inbounds. He kind of uh, got late. He was late there, and then two of them were Scotty. If he if it wasn't him, <laughs> you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't part of whatever switch was supposed to happen quick enough, and it looked pretty bad. And we've seen those kind of mistakes over and over again. And and I think another thing that's kind of creeping in a little bit is as their offense craters, um, it does kind of flow into the defense. I think the word, you know, I through it uh, uh fred last night was exasperated and i think it is exasperating um you know they've been the worst three-point shooting team for a month uh you know a stretch of more than a month like six weeks now you know stretch of nearly 20 games and um you know when it you know they're executing on the other elements of their formula generally in terms of you know hustling around making the turnovers forcing the misses getting in passing lanes you know, the offensive rebounding wasn't really available against uh, Orlando for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, and then, but you don't end up with the reward out of it. I think in the end, it kind of, you crack. And I think they cracked a little bit on, on the second half on on uh, Sunday. And, you know, they were never really in position to crack. They were just, you know, they kind of, you know, they, they weren't even that into it that much. But if the question is, did they respond to, I think, what Nick was challenging it to, I think you can kind of go, from my opinion, where I was sitting, I thought they did. Um, I just didn't think that they, they kind of held on to the rope long enough. Yeah, Grant, you know, you're talking about Scotty, and I know he's been in a lot of these conversations as the Raptors are struggling. And, you know, he was 3 of 13 last night, minus 16 in 41 minutes. And on Friday, he was a minus 24 in 32 minutes. And you mentioned in your story over the weekend that, you know, he was, he was benched for the first regular season game of his career about two weeks ago against the Cavs and then responded with the worst game of his career when the Raptors got blown out in New Orleans. And and you mentioned that it was at that point that, that Barnes was given some hard truths by Masai, who, according to, to multiple sources, there was a meeting that took place when the team was in Brooklyn. Um, just love to hear more about that, just in terms of the meeting that took place and, and, and you know what you make of that. 
Yeah, I don't have a ton more detail other than it happened. And, um, you know, Masai was there. He was, he was with the team in Brooklyn. He, I think he was there for league meeting, meeting in addition to that. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was just, you know, part of the purpose of him being there or, or you know, was to, you know, reach out to Scotty and make sure that he was on the right page. And, um, you know, it's not something that happens a ton. And, and I don't think he's the only person who's, uh, you know, had, had some talk conversations with, with, you know, with Scotty. But, um, you know, and I think, again, if you're looking for positives, I thought he responded. If, if that was the impetus and he had two of his best rebounding games of his career and, and certainly of this season, following up he looked a little bit more like the player we've seen or hoping to see but then this weekend regressed and um that's got to be the concern is you know i thought what was there was a couple of things that really made him very special as a rookie but one of them was consistency (laughs) you know he was either good pretty good or really good way more than he was not a factor in games and um, you know, you just can't say that so far this year. You, you really haven't seen the high end. There's been maybe one or two games where he was, you thought he was really, you know, an overwhelming factor in the game. I, that might even be generous. And uh, there's just been way too many games where he's been a non-factor. And I think uh, through two games in Orlando, uh, that was the case. And so, um, you know, I don't know what the next step is from here, but uh, it's, you know, it's it's got to be, you know, the, the Raptors – vision for this group and why they chose continuity in the off season was they thought that Pascal Siakam could still take a leap. They thought that OG Ananobi could still take a leap and they really believed that Scotty Barnes could take a leap. And uh, two of those things have happened and one certainly hasn't. Yeah. I think too, you know, when we're thinking about this, like we heard about the players only meeting and now we're hearing about, you know, Masai having to go to Brooklyn, sit down with Scotty and talk about these things. Like, I mean, on the one on the one hand, you can look at it, you know, if you want to be positive, that these are, you know, productive conversations and meetings that are taking place for a team that's trying to get on track. And on the other hand, you'd be pretty concerned about these things taking place so early in the season. You know, when when you when you're following the team and you're hearing these things, like which side do you take? I think there's um I think it's reasonably be reasonable to be concerned. And, and I kind of say that because, um, you know, I say that in light of this team was almost the identical record this time last year. They didn't kind of break through and get over 500 till, uh, well into January. And you can go, there's all kinds of examples, you know, even the Boston Celtics, I think were a five below 500 team into January. So, you know, last year, and you know, we know what they've done in the last, you know, 70 games since. So, um, you know, you don't want to panic, but I think there's a couple of reasons why this year's a little different. And one is the team did choose continuity mm. and um, they had a really robust off season by all accounts. I mean, I wasn't there, but <laughs> you know, that they're, you know, we see the, the runs in, in uh, Vegas. We see the runs in, in uh, Los Angeles. We go Hines. We hear all about the preseason runs here in Toronto in September. And, you know, you're bringing back 13 guys and basically your entire rotation adding, I think a couple of spots were to complement your weaknesses. And, you know, I, I still maybe presume Otto Porter might be that if he ever plays. Um, but, um, you know, and I, and I remember talking to Nick Nurse and, you know, he was like, yeah, we should have a good start. We're aiming to have a good start. And uh, it just hasn't happened. Um, and I guess 
you know, there's a couple of things on top of that. As you look at early in the season when they were fairly healthy and had most of their guys available, it's not all. They were kind of 500, you know, and then when everyone got hurt, uh, they've been, they were, got through that more or less at 500. And now they've had uh, nearly a month of being pretty healthy by NBA standards overall. And they're barely, in fact, they're under 500. So, you know, there's a pretty good sample size of them not being much more than a play-in team. And um, that certainly was not the plan, I think, uh, going into the season. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I think, look, we've, we've had plenty of discussions about Scotty. We also need to have this discussion about Fred. Like, it, we saw at the best level that Fred can play at. Um, obviously, over the course of his career, we saw it in the, you know, in, in the championship run. We saw it last season when he made the all-star push. He hasn't really been that guy at the start of the season. And we, I thought, you know, yesterday he really battled. He got himself to the free throw line. He even pulled some Kyle Lowry-style tricks to even get himself to the line so many times. But it just the overall impression on Fred this season, just that, you know, he started the year, he was playing off ball, he was really sacrificing, you know, and that seemed to be a concerted effort. But once guys started to go down, he's tried to become the primary guy again. And he just doesn't inspire that same confidence as number one guy as he did last season when he took over the role around this time. So, Grange, can you can you explain the question that's on everyone's mind? I mean, everyone's mind is like, what's going on with Scotty and what's going on with Fred? So we've asked you about Scotty. What's going on with Fred? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I have any really unique insight into Fred other than, um, you know, he was his most effective run as an NBA player was kind of a 1A, 1B relationship with a really good point guard and, and Kyle Lowry. And so, you know, they could kind of flip and play on or off the ball as necessary. And, um, you know, they complemented each other, I think, in many, many ways. And, and I think it worked out for Fred really well i think you know if you're in a situation where um if you're game planning for the raptors and you know he's going to be your a high usage point guard even though he's not he's not a guy who pounds the ball over and over again by user percentage anyway um look it's it's not that complicated right like you want to run him off the line even as he is struggling which is, you know, kind of another topic entirely. It's just hard to pin down why such a good shooter would be so poor for this long. But, you know, once you get him into lane, and you saw it last night, like he can get in the lane. He can break it. He's got a great triple package. He can, you know, get his feet in there, and I think he reads the game well. Once he's in there, he can deliver a lot of different passes. Like he's – but all those things speak to his skill and his his smarts. Um, But – you know, you just can't get away from the fact that I think, you know, you look at the magic, just kind of, they just kind of trail him a little bit and keep around them. And it just gets really hard for him to finish over length or through length. And, you know, I think defensively, you can make that work for your fa- in your favor. And, um, uh, you know, and I don't think there's anything that's going to change with that. So I think from the Raptors point of view, it's, it's kind of, if you're, if you're, and they know that, like, like there's no secrets there. But it's it's kind of like you're either going to find a way to support Fred VanVleet as he is, and that means I think, you know, allowing him to or encouraging him to play off the ball and be more of a kind of catch and shoot three three point shooter. I, I'm not going to I refuse to accept this is the kind of shooting he's he's bound for for the rest of the season or beyond. Like the track record's too long, um, you know. But if if you're relying on him because of to your what you guys are saying off the top because of roster construction to, um, you know, 
just punch it to the rim all the time and, and, and kind of collapse defenses and just create offense through his own uh, force of will, you know, it's, it's not going to work that well. Like those, there's, yeah. that's, it's just not really in his wheelhouse. I mean, he's, he's, I think last night we, he did it as well as he could, but um, you know, you, it's just not, it's not, it's too hard too often and it takes too, too much of a toll. So um yeah, I mean, I, that's that's my take. I mean, why he's struggling to shoot the way he is, maybe it's injury. Like Nick Nurse is kind of hinting at that with some of those guys that they've had. They've got these nagging things. And with, with Fred, it could be, you know, you could pick any one of them. But, you know, as he said to me the other night, if I'm playing, like if I'm hurt, I'm not playing. And so he's playing, so I guess he's not hurt. And, um, uh, you know, so it's just, I guess, uh, one of these things he's going to have to figure out. And, and I, that's the one thing that I'm not the least concerned with, but I mean, the shooting will normalize. And if normalizes back to 34% from three, which is barely league average, that's a lot better than it is now. And, and I'm sure Fred will acclimatize back to something a little more into his, uh, his career percentages, but, uh, but it's got to start soon. Yeah. No, it's interesting. You, you, you noting the fact that the Raptors have had a lot of success with Fred in two point guard lineups, because you know what? That is definitely true, but I think the Raptors are also purposely moving away from two point guard lineups, right? They're, you know, I guess if you would have two six nine point guards, the Raptors would be okay with it. But I guess the one six nine point guard they have right now with Scotty is is not really performing well enough in his own capacity to to help with that front. And and to be honest, like, you know, there probably just needs to be better synergy between Fred and Scotty overall too, um, to sort of help each other and get themselves out of this funk. But. Yeah, look, there's a lot of problems, Grange, and uh, hopefully, you know, um, they can fix them. But if not, then I'm sure we'll hear more and more. I, I, you do feel like this year in particular, there's there is more stuff to pick up around the team than usual. Yeah, would, would you say that? Yeah, Grange? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think there's that, and, and I mean, you know, I think it's probably a tough team to play on right now, right? Because if you're, you know, kind of one of the top six or seven or eight guys, you're frustrated because you're not getting results and. Um, you know, there's, there's probably some struggles with some role definition and, you know, Scotty alone is, is, you know, he's just like, I'm not a body language reading expert. It's always a risky thing to do, but, but I think you can just sort of see, he doesn't have that sort of, he just doesn't vibrate the same way, um, with fun, uh, you know, just pleasure in playing the way he did so routinely last year. And, you know, and there's probably a little bit of that in a bunch of guys. And then I think if you're in the other half of this roster, um, because it's not really a top-heavy roster, right? Like there's some better, more experienced players, but it's not like you're playing behind LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, you know, if you're on the bottom half of this roster, I'm sure it's frustrating too. It's like, why can't I get minutes? We're a 500 team, and uh, you know, there's, you know, I would, you know, you, I want to give me a chance, right? And uh, so, you know, it's, I think I think when you're winning, a lot of that stuff kind of just gets taken care of but if you're struggling or at least not achieving expectations uh you are gonna you know it, it, it's it's the the temperature gets kind of turned up a little bit and uh you know and that's why i think this past week was was important you know you had an opportunity and, and look i'm not taking anything away from, from orlando you guys watched i watched that oh, they, they were there's, a lot of ta- there's, there's a lot of talent on that team um but you know you can't just look at teams that have won six games before you showed up and say, well, they're too talented. Well, then, okay, well, what does that make you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, you know, so if we were, if they were 15 and 12 right now, we'd have a different conversation, right? And uh, they're not. And so, uh, 
until they fix that, you know, questions get asked. All right, Grinch. Um, appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I'll catch you at the game on Wednesday. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me on. All right, no worries. All right, we're going to take a break right here. I've been your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wynn Liu. Continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. And uh, we have friend of the program on the line, Orrin Weisfeld, the grown groat. What's going on, buddy? I'm doing well. You guys uh, you guys don't seem so well this morning. You seem a little bit down this morning. What, oh, you, what you want me to do, man? It's almost like the last twice that I'll imagine, Orrin. I got Orin. sweat, man. Well, it's when I bring that energy... Horror. When I bring that energy to the program, what I get energy? called out for it. What energy? <laughs> what energy are you talking nice. about? Wow. Yeah. All right, we're going to have some hard <laughs> truths. <laughs> we're going to have a team meeting and some hard truths on this episode. No, we're just like the Raptors here. We got standards on this show, man. Um, no, shout out to you, Arn. Always happy to ha- have you on saying that because someone accused me of bullying you when we did an off-season pod. <laughs> Did we? They, yeah, they know it was me and Orin. They emailed me. They're like, "You're really mean to Orin," uh, <laughs> and I was like, "That's because he's my friend. I'm mean to all my friends." Yes. Anyways, this is my on-air apology to you, Orin. Yeah. No. No worries, man. Oh, okay. I'm, uh, okay. I'm not too sensitive. I wasn't too. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I never took it that way. Yeah. What do What do we What do we want to pick Orin's brain about today? Okay, Orin. We're gonna ask you the same two questions we asked everybody, and then we'll get into some of the discussions. But what's going on with Scotty? What's going on with Fred? Yeah, I think you guys hit on it towards the end of that conversation with Grange. Like, rather than dissecting each individually, I think the big problem on the team, the way I see it, is role definition. Grange mm-hmm. kind of hit on it at the end. Like, you said Fred started the season in an off-ball role, playing kind of off Siakam and off OG, and now he's just not doing that for whatever reason, despite the fact that he's struggling more than ever. And Barnes kind of just never accepted the role that was given to him this season, which is honestly a smaller role than he had last season. And so in, in a sense, it makes sense that the the former rookie of the year wouldn't be happy with having a smaller role with kind of OG taking this step and Siakam being better than ever. But there is just no clear, not role definition only, but like role buy-in. And I think that's really the main problem. You look at Chris Boucher, and he's a guy who is completely bought into this small role of just being the hustle guy, uh, like his podcast says. And and like outside of that, I just don't see a whole lot of guys who are really bought in and like thriving in their limited roles. And ultimately, if you want to be a winning team, a team with real aspirations, you got to sacrifice. And I don't see a lot of sacrifice on this team. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point because when you look at teams like Boston, for example, right, and it's it's it pains me to always bring up the Celtics as some sort of they're model so franchise. good and so likable right now, man. No, but you look at all the role players, right? They play play their roles well. Look at a Grant Williams, for example. He just comes in, he defends, he attacks a closeout, or he knocks down an open three. His true shooting's like seventy percent, or like in the high sixties, and it's like. You know what? It's it's obviously not that he's that efficient of a player or that necessarily even that good of a defender, even particularly. But it's like when you buy into your role completely and you play within the team concept and everyone can kind of fit in, everyone looks so much better. And I think the Raptors do look like a case where, to be honest, the talent looks like like the results look worse than the talent. I actually do think the Raptors have a lot more talent than what they're showing right now. But then, then again, I do think about the front office and Orrin. If they're going to pick a side in terms of what they're going to choose to do, right? If we're talking about role definition is, is a struggle. I feel like even just direction of the team is hard to be defined at this current moment by the front office. Like, are they trying to d- develop? Are they trying to compete? Are they trying to acquire more pieces? Like, what are they? what is the lane that the front office is going to try to pick, in your opinion, Oren? And also, if they are trying to try to compete, you know, what kind of moves do they really need to add here to sort of complement this group? Yeah, that's a great question, Will. Uh, That's what I'm like writing about this week is the fact that this team just hasn't picked a direction. And you wouldn't think about the Raptors and the Golden State Warriors being kind of on similar trajectories, but I actually think they are where the Warriors came into this year and they had this terrible bench and they had the obvious group of vets who were ready to win and then the young guys who were not ready to win. And you just can't, I don't think you can win at a high level and develop talent in this league. Um, that's what the Warriors kind of learned and, and started going to more vet-heavy lineups. And I think that's what the Raptors are learning, in a sense. And, and they really haven't completely gotten there in the sense of what well, you just said, pick a direction and go with it. If you want to sell off some vets and, and really make this a developmental year, I could hear the argument for that. Um, I would definitely be on the side of, what you just said with the Boston Celtics, like start buying the Celtics over the course of three years got used first round picks to get Horford white and Brogdon. And they just slowly added to that core. And I think this is where the front office deserves some blame is we've heard a lot of rumors of them striking out with centers with Brogdon, right. Um, with backup point guards, they just they just have kind of failed. It seems like to it's not like they're not prioritizing guys, but they've just failed to actually get a deal done. And so to me, it's like you need to start adding talent to this team and talent that is kind of ready to win in the sense that like a Brogdon was ready to sacrifice being the number one option on on prior teams and just step into a role in Boston. I think those type of guys set a tone for the rest of the team where it's like, it, okay, if this guy who was formerly like a really high option on the depth chart is now ready to step back, why are you as Scotty Barnes not ready to take a smaller role? Why are you as Fred Van Vliet not ready to take a smaller role? Um, so I do think they need to start adding talent. Well, I mean, doesn't that – isn't that a little bit telling of the coach? Like in terms of like how much of it is like – management and and coaching and, and even to a lesser degree like encore management in terms of the vets like getting guys to buy into their roles and being happy with those and convincing them that if you play these roles well we're going to win and if we win we will get rewarded either through awards or 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 contracts right like that's ultimately what's going to motivate you know the team but if it feels like there are certain players who are coming to contract years that need to sort of get theirs and then you have certain players who are expecting to get to this level or players that are trying to go for these awards so they can go for max contracts 
you know, it, it feels like there needs to be one aligning vision that everyone sort of buys into. And isn't that ultimately the role of management? Uh, yeah, I think, I think everyone deserves some blame here. I would ultimately put it on the players. Um, like mm. these are grown men. Like uh, on one hand, yeah, management and coaching can, can sell a vision to them and tell them, look, if you sacrifice, here's what, why it's going to be better in the grand scheme of your career. But it's ultimately on players to kind of get to a maturity level of where they're ready to make that sacrifice and where they have developed these habits to play consistently at a hard level every game. And I just don't think we've seen that for a number of the players on this team. And so I I, I ultimately just blame it on the players. Um, Fred shooting 36 from the floor this season. That's on Fred. Like, I'm not going to make excuses and be like, that's because Nick isn't putting him in a right role. No, like Fred is a much better player than that. And he needs to play better. And Scotty's a much better player than this. And he needs to play better. So I kind of will just go back to it's on the players to sacrifice and it's on the players to play better at the end of the day. Yeah. Which, um, which direction would you pick Oren? Like you look at the players on the roster right now, like we know the core guys in this group. Like, who are the players that you would, you know, be, be, you know, definitively moving forward with? And, like, which which direction do you think this team should go based on based on all the things that you've laid out? Yeah, I think they should be buyers. I think they should be trying to add talent, not even necessarily for this season, because Milwaukee and Boston are kind of leagues ahead, and I don't really see a path where the Raptors are going to win a championship this season. But I think, like I said, with Boston, they should be looking to add talent for the short-term future. And that can come at the cost of some picks. Like, how many guys can you develop? You have Malachi and Delano and guys sitting on the bench who just aren't developing. So what is the point of using another first-round pick if that guy's just going to sit on the bench next season? It's like, I I think we're at the point where we need to start trading some of these picks, um, maybe some of these young players, and, and add talent because this team is just too good to tank. I know things are really grim right now, but the talent is way too good to actually get in that bottom tier of tanking. And I'm also just anti-tanking for much larger reasons that we don't need to get into. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely I'm team I'm team go for it. I'm team uh, try to win. Um, and if that comes at the cost of some of these guys' development, some of these guys, some of these younger guys' minutes, um, I'm okay with that. Okay, well. Let's say, for example, you're going to put your first-round pick for this year in play, which, by the way, is looking more and more valuable as by the game, okay? Um, let's say you're going to put that pick in play. You do have some contracts sitting around on your roster that you can move ultimately to get a trade done, okay? I just, you know, we could just look around the salary sheet and we can know who those guys are. Um, which position are you looking to prioritize? Because realistically, you're probably only going to fix one, not two. Ideally, you would get... Uh, both a third guard and a center. But to be honest, you probably only get one. So Orn, with that sort of package, which position are you looking to reinforce? Yeah, if it's only one, I would try to get a center. I think even last game you saw the difference between Coloco and Birch, the way he started that third quarter. Yeah. It was just a significant upgrade in the center position. And it's like, oh, now imagine going from Birch to a real starting center. No disrespect to Birch, but like a guy who is firmly in this league certified as a starting center. I just think the Raptors would be such a significantly better team, whether it's the screen setting, the dribble handoff stuff to create some separation for guards like Fred to actually get free and then the rim protection and, and not kind of fouling out a game. So I would prioritize a center like Jakob Pertl. If you could go get him for a first and some stuff, 
Um, that would make this team significantly better. Miles Turner would make this team significantly better. Um, stuff like that. And then, yeah, third guard. I don't know why you can't do both. Like, they have all their picks. They have all their pick swaps. They have a bunch of contracts. They have Gary Trent Jr., who's an expiring. I don't know why you can't kind of go and do both um, at this trade deadline. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I, I think ideally you would like to see both. But I think in moving in those directions, too, that would also move you away from this all 6'9 kind of idea, right? Because if we're thinking about another guard and another center, those two aren't positions where 6'9. Is that okay mm-hmm. with you? Yeah, for sure. I think like Joe Wolfon said it best on your show where you can't get stuck in the everything has to be done with this identity in mind. Like you can have an identity and I think it's good that they do, but at a certain point you need to start just adding things that are deficient on this roster, whether that's ball handling, shooting, uh, rim protection. And it's not like they don't already have that on the roster. They just need upgrades. Like Malachi Flynn is that. Christian Coloco is a seven-foot center. Um, they just aren't kind of ready to win right now. Whereas, again, all this stuff goes back to with me saying, like, they need to start winning. It's all about Siakam. You have a top 10 player in the league on your team. You don't trade that player. You don't tank. You go for it. The Raptors haven't had that since Kawhi Leonard. And and now fans are, like, already ready to get rid of it. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like when you have that that good of a player, you need to start you need to start really selling Siakam on the vision because he's a guy who has his contract up in a year from now. Um, you need to start selling him on like, look, we're build- we're adding talent to this team and you need to stay here because you're kind of all we got right now. Yeah, well, I mean, that's an interesting point because you look at around a lot of other players who are on Pascal's level. Let's just say even top 15 for the sake of argument, which he definitely was last season just based on all NBA, right? When you look at the top 15 players in the NBA, outside of the Lakers who have done such a poor job managing their team, we know obviously Masai and Bobby are way better than the management group there. You look at the other top players in the league and the ways that their front offices approach and, and, and reinforce their groups. I think you have to move in those same directions. But Oren, my last question is: First off, you're coming. You're coming to the live show, yeah? Yeah, I'll be there. So I'll, my last I'll question is: energy. Orin. I hope you guys are happy. Oh, yeah. don't worry. It's, it's all good. I, I didn't even do my Oren impersonation yet. But um, yeah, Oren, what's what's the number one thing you're looking forward to to the night show? You know, with uh, with big guests in mind. What's the number one thing? I'm I'm looking forward to the banter. The I hope there's gonna be food, right? Oh, there'll be food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there'll be food. We'll make sure there's food just for you, man. Yeah, don't worry. I was at your guys' favorite spot. I was at Super Fresh uh, last night. Had a great time there. Oh, really nice. enjoyed that what, place. What, what did you uh, get to eat? I got oh, dumplings. Alex finally asked okay. the question. <laughs> my favorite yeah, thing this. on the menu. I got this. My favorite thing yeah, on the menu so. is the the Japanese poutine. I'm a big fan of that. I don't one. think I've. I don't think I've had that. Oh huh. man, I'll get any poutine anywhere. Yeah, um, <laughs> I got... oh, man. the fried chicken oh, at Balbird. skewers. The fried lamb chicken skewers. at Balbird is is the go to for me, man. No, people, yeah, well, people I'm, a should... he- I'm a healthier guy, so. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, my bad, my bad. Can't bully you anymore, right. so I'm just gonna step back here. Um, yeah, the Balbird fried chicken and, and their garlic noodles—that's the best one-two combo in the city. Well, you know, okay, next time. Used to be Pascal and Fred, but TBD. Right oh, TBD. That's TBD. tough. Um, it's dark. Martyr and Matthews. <laughs> That, am, I, am I getting that right? I don't know. Did I pronounce his name right? <laughs> You're just doing live drops for Red Dale. Did I pronounce his name right? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty accurate. Asian honestly. dad. <laughs> um, Asian dad. <laughs> Astrology. Chinese Nick Nurse. Um, Orin. Chinese Nick Nurse. Orin, uh, thanks as always for joining the program. And see we'll tonight, see you in buddy. a few hours.
right. See you guys. Have a, have a good one. Yeah. I, 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 per, I perked up right when I heard super fresh. Oh, you had, I wasn't no, perking you had up. no questions about basketball, but as soon as what? it became about Asian food, this guyy's like, oh, I need a clear out, man. You're like, or no. This guy held up a one. <laughs> You're like, which, uh, which position? I called for delivery about an hour ago. Which positions would you like to uh, shop the number one of a first rounder for? No, I do think... I'm sure we're going to dive into this more. Oh, we'll have, we'll have lots of time. Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into this more, but I, I do think the conversation about actually starting to make moves on this roster is is one that's... I feel like we've reached that point. Yeah, because again, you just can't bring back something that, that grow and, and allow it to go a little bit stale, which is kind of what it feels like right now, right? You bring back the same group, and you know the results this season have just looked a little stale. So look, listen, I, obviously we trust management, right? Masai and Bobby have done so much good over the years. Mm-hmm. They have shown time and time again they can make the right moves. So we're just waiting to do it. Obviously, we need teams to participate in, in allowing some of those players to be moved. But, you know, I, I I think you could still salvage it. You just need to add some pieces. Yeah, and then the schedule's not getting easier. Okay. You know, they play... They play Sacramento on Wednesday. They've got three-game homestand here against Sacramento. Brooklyn once again, fourth meeting of the season. Bro, the have we played anyone other than the Magic and the Nets? Yeah, um, doesn't feel that way right now. Um, but every game feels like a Raptors-Pistons game right now. Um, Sacramento, Brooklyn, Golden State at home, and then on the road at Philly, at the Knicks, at the Cavs. The schedule is just not getting easier. So we're gonna we're gonna find out. You know, if this is just, if people still think this is just a team going through a slump mm. that they're going to snap out of, or, or, or if there are bigger problems, like you can't, you know, it's words versus actions, man. You know, yeah. there's so much talk right now, but like you see the product on the court. Like it is what it is right no, now. No, you can't, we can't make excuses. It we is what it is right now. Hey, but, you know, clear, clear out ISO once again. Okay, there we go. Just want to spend the last uh, 30 seconds. Giving a shout out to Frank Baraska, who's been filling in for Jennifer Rolnick behind the scenes. And tomorrow will be his last day helping us on the Raptor show. We hope to have him back again. Like we always say, you know, this is a this is a team effort, you know. Mm. I help out behind the scenes, you know, when we get guests on, usually Will will ask ninety five percent of the questions. Yeah. Shout out you to know, Kyle Crabe. Yeah, we just yeah, here yeah, shout out to Kyle Crabe, <laughs> drafted by Sportsnet in twenty twenty one. But anyways, have a have a great rest of the Monday, everyone. Yeah, salute to Frank, honestly. Great vibes all around. Um, But listen, we're done for tonight. Um, You know, everyone at the live show, see you there. And uh, yeah, I've been your host, Walu. That's Alex Wong. Thanks everyone for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Thanks again to Michael Grange and Oren Weisfeld for joining us on this show. Thanks to our board producer, Dan Bertdeo. Thanks to Frank Baraska for helping us with the YouTube stream. And uh, we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.